Support comes from the Rosa Parks Museum on Troy University's Montgomery campus. Located on the spot of Mrs. Parks' historic 1955 arrest and featuring exhibits that chronicle the history of the Montgomery bus boycott. More information at troy.edu slash Rosa Parks. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. Early in 1965, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke at Brown Chapel AME Church in Selma. Listening to him were Willie Mae Brown, age 12, and her mother. Today we visit with artist Willie Mae Brown, author of the book My Selma, True Stories of a Southern Childhood at the Height of the Civil Rights Movement. Willie Mae Brown, thank you so much for joining us by Skype from Brooklyn, New York. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You lived in Selma as a 12-year-old for a few years. Your family had a farm, and your father, who worked on the railroad, was generous in sharing his produce with people in need. He did. There are a lot of people who didn't have much. Jobs were scarce, and also we were dealing with the segregated city, and so we had to help people. There were places in Alabama and in Selma, agencies that would give out staples and cheese and rice and things like that. At the time, there was no welfare, but people did small jobs, and they lived, and we helped them. They had savings, or they had a crop. That's how they made it, but my father had a farm, and he was very generous with helping people out and waiting until they had enough money just to pay him back. And you were baptized by Reverend F.D. Reese, pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church. Yes. He was also president of the Dallas County Voters League and a key figure in Dr. Martin Luther King's coming to Selma. Yes, he was. Some members of the black population were skeptical about Dr. King coming into Selma. Why? Well, because these people in Selma... They had had a time when people talked too much. People went to the police and reported things, or they gave them information about another person of color. And they really did not understand how this would upend them. They were comfortable being in the hell that they were in, and it was no problem with them. We can get by, they will say, and We don't know who he is and what he's trying to do. And he should take himself back to Atlanta where he came from and stop stirring up a mess here. They didn't understand because they were not educated as to what this movement was going to be like. And they had listened to another race of people that made them do whatever they wanted them to do. They were afraid. People are afraid. There are a lot of things they just do. They don't think. So they wanted to be comfortable where they were. We're okay. We don't need anybody else. But Dr. King changed that. You actually heard Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speak. You and your mother went to Brown Chapel AME Church. What was that experience like? It was breathtaking. Literally, it took my breath. 
it shook me to see this individual, Dr. King, walk on stage and just raise his hand so that the people would rest and sit down and listen to what he had to say before he left the church. The passion behind it, the jubilant dancing, shouting for him to be there was just fit for a king. They shouted his name. I didn't know it was him. I knew I was going to see a preacher preach, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be with my sister and her boyfriend. And I was taken when he walked on stage. He was not that tall, but he was a giant. And when he walked in, my mother, she was holding me, you know, asking me to sit down. And she finally got me to sit down. And we were right there in front of him. It wasn't the television anymore. It wasn't the radio anymore. He was in front of me. And we had seen Dr. King and Jose and a lot of other people from different organizations in the streets, but they were busy and we were children and we were told, you know, just don't bother them because they're working. And we just kept going. But to see him in front of me that night with the power that was behind him and all of those people that was packed, I thought nothing else could be better than that. And my mother was crying and as she cried, her her tears fell into my head and my hair. It was just a night that was, you, you just cannot replace it. You said after he left that those in attendance sang, We Shall Overcome. Were you singing with them? Of course. You knew the position to take, which was to lock arms. And there were some white people there that had locked arms. And we were all locked together because it was unity. And when you have unity in people of the same mind, you can create anything and you can stop anything. And then on March 7th of 1965, 600 marchers left the church for Montgomery. Mm -hmm. How emotional was that for you? It was emotional. But it, it wasn't as exciting as when I saw him in church. It was like, now we get to work. I didn't go, my brother and my sister. Went. I had a position to man the phones. And that was the most important thing I ever had in my life, is to sit by that large black phone and wait until somebody called me. And hopefully they were not in trouble. I want you to share a passage that illustrates what all of this was about. Yes, page 212, and my father is speaking to my brother. Now, Maine, don't mention this to your mama. What I told you is between us. There's a war going on in Selma, as well as one across the water in Nam. You and me been riding around Selma since you were four years old. I wrestled you from Kate when you were six. And at seven, you could drive a tractor. You know me better sometimes than your mama does. What's happening here in Selma, Maine, is going to change the world. Men are fighting each other for freedom, for mental and physical slavery. They don't want to be slaves anymore. They don't want to have that thought in their head. And we are not free yet. A lot of us going to get hurt or die. Women and children fighting too. This is big. 
You have captured a moment in our nation's history that was described as a crossroads. What do you see in Selma now? Selma has been through so many things, but I believe and I see a vision of a new one, a new Selma. We had a tornado and it tore down and flattened a lot of buildings, but whites and blacks have joined together to help each other. And they are looking towards a Selma that will have its own industry. I think most of them feel the way I do, that the tornado may have been a blessing, a new start for new people to live there and enjoy this most incredible place where a fight was fought nonviolently on one part and violence on the other. And we've learned so much. And I think this time we'll give more respect to a place that is responsible for the 1964-65 Civil Rights Bill. And we fought that right there in Selma. It was a good fight. And I love Selma. It has been a joy to talk with you. Thank you, Willie Mae Brown. And thank you so much for having me. Joining us by Skype was Willie Mae Brown, artist and author of the book, My Selma, True Stories of a Southern Childhood at the Height of the Civil Rights Movement. On Thursday, March 2nd, during the Bridge Crossing Jubilee, she will speak at the Selma Dallas County Public Library. Reservations are being taken at the website, selmalibrary.org, as seating is limited. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus, which is now a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio. Support comes from the Wiregrass Archives at Troy University's Dothan campus, identifying and preserving historical documents and photographs for research related to the Wiregrass region. More information at troy.edu slash Wiregrass Archives.